warm welcome to Meditation Jam. My name is Maria and I'm your host. And today we're doing a, an igniting meditation to relax our system, to calm our mind and step into a more peaceful energy. Because I feel there is a lot happening in the world right now. And the more of us who can stay grounded, peaceful, the better it is for the whole system. But first we are going to listen to an interview that I've done this week with intuitive astrologist Shannon Hugman. And Shannon is just about to release her book Analogies, Energies and Celestial Bodies on the Spring Ecking Knox. So we get a, a lovely preview of what this book is about and also some insights about astrology. Of course, there is at the end the five questions with different perspectives. So I hope you will enjoy this. And after the interview, we will go straight into the igniting meditation. So please enjoy. Today we are talking to Shannon Hugman and warm welcome or should I say good morning to you because you live in Canada, right? <laughs> good morning. Warm welcome. Yes, I live on the shores of Lake Huron. So it's in Ontario, east-ish, but not east ocean. But you work online, so you are worldwide as well. Absolutely. I'm, I kind of consider myself all, all time zones, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> and uh, I know I've um, connected to you a few years back when I was looking for someone to do my um, astrology chart. And I went out in my community and asked and you got so many that was uh, recommending you. So that's how we met. And uh, I really enjoyed it. So I can highly recommend it. Thank you. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. The power uh, referrals and word of mouth. Yeah. So for all our listeners, could you please describe what it is you do? Absolutely. So I like to say that I'm here to help make sense of the universe. And what I mean by that is I really believe when we know ourselves better, we can bring energized versions of who we are down to earth. And also we can synthesize with these changing times. So what I do is I help people to understand these astrological transits, starting from everything from the moon all the way to Pluto. And yeah. I do that through one-on-one -on -one consultations like we had, but I also also do that through online courses or the free content and the blogs that I share on my platform online. And also now I have uh, my new book coming out. So really, I like to think of what I do as not just necessarily a traditional astrologer, but someone who's here to really educate and facilitate others in learning how to interpret these uh, energies themselves. Oh, that's brilliant. And do you find, is it like a person who is not into this too much? Is it hard to get into it or... Well, I always joke that it chose me. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's always just been, and I'll talk about this more as I tell you the story of how I got into this, but you know, I've embraced the fact now that I just have an innate gift for this. And to be honest, I've tried to not do it. <laughs> I've tried harder to be normal or I've tried harder to follow a more professional career, but it always at the end of the day comes back to, I, I'm here to share this. This is the work I'm supposed to do. So it only really, in recent months have I started to really take myself seriously from a professional mm. uh, lens. So, you know, it's interesting because it has not felt hard for me to get into it. It's felt hard for me to, to ignore it, yeah. I guess, basically, <laughs> is the truth. And what I remember is that you read the charts, but you're also intuitive. So you also add your personal um, the energetic reading to it, right? Yeah, exactly. And again, that was something that along my journey, I've been doing this for nearly a decade now. Mm. I used to read charts and say, oh, no, I'm just reading the chart. And 
ideas or examples would pop into my head. And it started to get to the point where the people would, who I was reading their charts for would say, you're, you know, you're very intuitive. You're using specific examples. And this is, this is more than just reading a chart. So now, yes. And I actually, the term I often use is intuitive astrologer, because I believe that it's not just astrology is about our feelings and our emotions. And Mm. I believe that the way to communicate those is to use analogies or to use metaphors or examples that evoke a feeling in somebody. So basically, yes, definitely. There's an intuitive aspect to what I do. So how did you get started and when did you notice that you had this interest and when did you get started full on Yes. So when I was a child, I could guess people's birthdays. So (laughs) I couldn't guess their exact day, but I would meet a kid at school and I would be able, I remember it clear as day. I would look at them and I could feel them. And I would say, you feel like you're born in September. (laughs) I didn't have the language for Zodiacs, but it was very clear to me that different months felt a different way. Yeah. Um, And it was kind of a party trick. (laughs) All right, freak kids out because we'd find kids we didn't know. And my friends would, what is theirs? And I wouldn't know them and I would still get it. Oh. So obviously, sometimes when we have, you know, experiences like that as a child and someone tells us that's weird or that's not normal, we we shut it away. So I hadn't thought about astrology ever growing up. I never really was on my radar until I was in university and I was in a long distance relationship and I was in a long distance relationship and I thought I'm gonna read a love horoscope let's see what the love horoscope (laughs) has to say and I ended up finding an astrology community online that was based out of California that was talking about where the planets are now. So they were using terms like Jupiter is in Virgo or this, the sun is transiting Gemini. And it was this language that just from watching YouTube videos, I felt as though I understand this. I want to have something to do with this. And basically from there, that was in 2011, I just started engaging online and I developed, you know, connections and relationships. And I started blogging and then I started facilitating videos and then I started my own account. And it was all just a hobby. This was my social life talking about the planets (laughs) online with people all over the world. After a couple years of that, my followers, but also my friends and family started to ask me, how much can I pay you to to look at my chart? Or how much can I pay you for this? And again, I didn't even think about it. So I think I said, you know, 10 bucks or something. (laughs) Sure, whatever. And as I started doing those people were blown away and people were amazed. And I was getting some of this feedback that was kind of freaking me out a little bit, but I ran with it. And then in 2016, I created my first online course because basically what was happening was people were asking me, where can I learn what you've learned? And whereas for sure, I've had mentors along the way. I haven't read a lot of astrology books. Um, I'm not traditional. I haven't done any formal study because I think that there is this next wave of awareness coming onto our planet where we take those archetypes of the zodiac or of the celestial bodies and we can add our own flavor to it they can be primary colors that we can paint a picture with so that was part of the reason why i've written this new book analogies energies and celestial bodies is Ah. because people would ask me what book uh, would you recommend and i didn't have any books to recommend (laughs) not nothing against any books out there so basically i've how i've gotten started is i've just followed what I was interested in. And then as people asked for whether that was consultations or courses or books, I've just delivered 
what they've asked for. Oh, I love that. And that's kind of how I doing my stuff. I read books, but I read them after. So I get the insights and whatever. And then when I read the book, it's more for me to, okay, yeah, so it was the same. <laughs> and sometimes I don't read at all. I just let, let the energy move through. So Yes, we are definitely on the same wavelength yeah, in that. Yeah. So how would you say is the main advantages with knowing astrology and following it in your life? So I like to think of it as checking the weather forecast, for example. Mm -hmm. So if we know that it's raining outside, we can choose to bring our umbrella, right? Yep. Or we can choose to wear rain boots. So I do not believe, and I say this pretty much any time I can have a chance, I do not believe that the planets are doing anything to us, but I think of them as currents of energy that are flowing around us. And so when we know which way the current is flowing, we can choose which way we want to swim because we all do have free will to a certain extent mm. so i think the main advantage is it gives us this energetic climate just the way a weather forecast tells us about the weather climate so that we can make an educated choice with what we're doing in the moment and then creating maybe a more uh welcomed future because the other thing i always say is i'm not here to predict the future i don't even think the future is set in stone but i do see astrology that gives us an advantage to have a way to align with that current of energy to take us to the future that we desire oh that's that's a brilliant and really easy to take on explanation yes yeah. nice and simple yeah exactly <laughs> and so how mm -hmm. detailed should one get in there because i mean you can have daily horoscope and you can have weekly and you know for a year and how far ahead uh, would you say is uh, in in the time frame oh yes absolutely so you know i joke that it's infinite space so we could go on forever yeah. <laughs> and ever and ever and ever and actually through uh writing the book i have I, in the book i look at different astrological influences throughout history so i was going back like hundreds of years to writing this book but you know in terms of moving forward we can go forward hundreds of years but I also like to take it day by day as well so you know I like to say for somebody who is interested but doesn't want to fall down a huge wormhole of all this information yeah. the lunar cycle is a great place to start and the lunar cycle shifts every month but throughout that process of the month ahead, the lunar cycle has four phases. So because the lunar cycle is one month and then there's four phases, that breaks down to one week per phase. Mm. So on my YouTube channel, I have what I call the follow the moon forecast. And that goes week to week to week to week. And I like to say that the moon is a great place to start. And we're actually recording this. The full moon energy is still kind of out there. Yep. It was happening last night. But when, especially with a full moon, for example, or any lunar cycle, we can see the moon with our physical senses, right? We can go outside and see the moon shining in the sky. Mm. And so it's a great place to start because it bridges those physical, tangible senses of our sight, perhaps. And then we can listen to our feelings and our emotions. So in terms of how detailed we should get, like I said, I've gone really far out, <laughs> but I've also written about it to make it easy and accessible to people so in terms of that for a non-professional it will totally be digestible however for a non-professional who wants to start somewhere mm. i say the lunar cycle is the place to start but of course i also believe that 
we all have a lot of innate wisdom within ourselves. So when I say, you know, getting into the lunar cycle, I don't necessarily mean buying all the books about the lunar cycle or taking all the courses or reading all the blogs. I more say just take out your calendar and mark when the full moon is and mark when the new moon is and have it in your awareness that these things, these cycles are happening and then just notice how you feel. Mm. So it's kind of a two-part answer where I think in terms of details, it's important to have certain dates so that our physical, tangible, logical senses can say, okay, this is happening. Mm. Just like the full moon, we see it happening in the sky. But then I also think less detail can be better to help listen to our own intuitions and noticing how we feel. Mm. And with the full moon, I have so many friends and including myself having trouble sleeping. And maybe you don't know that it's the full moon, but then you can't sleep. And then, oh, you see in the calendar the day after that it was the full moon. <laughs> exactly, mm. exactly, exactly. So how are you using this for yourself and in your day? You know, I use it in, in all sorts of ways. And I really feel like the reason why I do this work is because I use it myself. And that was sort of how it always started was I would just share my experiences and people wanted to, you know, know more about how they can do it for themselves. So before I answer in a specific way, I just want to say, you know, it's really important for me to walk my talk, I guess, mm. and how I use it in, in myself, because I do get somewhat detailed. I just always know what constellation the planets are in. And I know that the moon changes every two and a half days. And I have that awareness of where the moon is shifting. I know the sun shifts every 30 days i know saturn shifts every two and a half years we could go on and, yeah. on and on but i basically i'm i'm always aware of where those planets are and i'm aware of when they're going to shift mm. i said currents of energy earlier but i also think of them as moving sidewalks you know at airports how there's those yeah, moving yeah. sidewalks yeah. And if we start walking on a moving sidewalk, we get propelled a little bit faster. So I think having an awareness of these cycles are like a little bit being on a moving sidewalk where you're moving the same way as the moving sidewalk and you can move a little bit faster. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I use it also to slow down as well, because there are cycles, it's not always in that analogy, yes, it looks like forward and faster, but that's not always the case. So a lot of the time when I'm using it in my day-to-day -day life, you know, the time before a new moon, which is called the dark moon, that's two and a half days before a new moon, mm -hmm. is what I say is low power mode. <laughs> that's the time when less is more. We have to charge our iPhones, so we also have to charge ourselves. Mm. So I also use it in my day-to-day -day life, knowing when to move forward, but knowing when to relax, knowing when to calm down, knowing when to check out. Um, and I've really lived in tune with those cycles, including running my business. So for example, I'm launching my book on the equinox and the equinox is the start of a new year. It's a great time to put something out there. Anything I've ever offered, I've always aligned with the planets. And I'm actually excited to be developing an online course where I teach other creatives to do the same and how to really move with these cycles because there's times when we're tired and there's times when we're excited. And if we have an awareness of these cycles, we can leverage those opportunities to move forward or to relax. Mm, that's brilliant. And I know if you are an active person, then to get this, someone telling you, you really need to slow down right now. I know I used to have a problem with that because I didn't want to slow down, but now I realize the benefits that when I slow down, my creativity grows and then I can come back with even more energy so it's really good to have both this okay now it's time to move and now it's time to step back 
Yes, exactly. If I talked to you probably six months ago, I wouldn't have said the part about resting. But I'm learning that it is so important. Yeah. So I know that when you speak about astrology with with friends and and co-workers and whatever, everyone refers to the one daily astrology in the newspaper. (laughs) And and says, well, that doesn't work. And, you know, it's nonsense. What would you say? Are they more for entertainment or do they work or do you have an input on that? Yeah. Yes, I have a lot of thoughts on this. (laughs) I I talk about it a lot. You know, newspaper horoscopes were created as a marketing campaign to sell newspapers. So I don't subscribe to them. In fact, a lot of the time, I'm actually a bit of an, I guess I could say an advocate for telling people and teaching people, we are more than just our sun signs. We are not only divided into 12 categories based on where the sun was when we were born. We are all, all the signs. We all have a chart that includes the entire zodiac. And yes, some of us will have a sun sign and a certain sign, but we also have moon signs and Mars signs and Venus signs Hmm. and on and on and on and on and on. So it is pretty ridiculous to break the population into 12 groups and then say, you are whatever this two sentences say, and you have to come back every day and buy this newspaper to find out what's going to happen next. (laughs) But it basically started, um, I believe in the 1920s, but I I could be wrong about that, as a campaign to say, what can we put in a newspaper that people would be interested and feel like they keep having to come back for more and more and more. So I very much, I've actually written some newspaper astrology uh, horoscopes, which obviously I'm much different (laughs) than all the traditional ones. And of course, there can be some meaning and symbolism in them because I think we can find meaning in anything in life. Mm. If we look at a flower outside and that gives us meaning, wonderful. So if you, if there's someone who reads newspaper horoscopes and it works for them and it makes them feel good or it makes them feel validated or feel understood, then wonderful. That's great. I really am not one to say someone's right and someone's wrong. In fact, I don't even say I'm right. I let you make up your mind yeah. about whether you yeah. resonate with what I say. But in terms of like overall newspaper horoscopes, they are almost, I'm trying to think of an analogy to say this, but it's almost like a teaser or something. You know how sometimes you, uh, I get a lot of these on my Facebook and stuff. It says, you know, three easy ways to make $10,000, like click here and join this. And it's never right. It's never real, right? It's always buy this or try this. So that's kind of what I feel newspaper horoscopes are like, kind of not the real deal. So have you had any extraordinary experience where your shot told you something and then it, you know, showed up in a really big way that you could just so plainly yes, see? Yes, yeah. absolutely. I've had many. And though, although I want to share one that's specifically coming to me and, and I, in 2012, this was when I had first, well, not first, I was relatively new on this path of astrology, been reading about it or learning about it, communicating it basically for a couple of years. Yep. And I know this is a rather intense experience, but I do feel called to share it. My mother passed away suddenly in her sleep. Oh, sorry. But yeah. I had, thank you. I had been following these astrological cycles, the month leading up to it. And I knew that that day was a really big, important day. Mm. And I knew that some things were shifting in a huge way. And I knew that this was very much, it was in July, 2012. So maybe listeners can think back to what was going on in their lives. But basically there was what was called a grand cross happening. And this grand cross comes in. Yeah, it was a pretty big deal. Um, And 
astrologers were talking about it for months leading up. This is the Grand Cross. This is happening. And a Grand Cross can be this tug of war between energies. It can be hard. It can be uncomfortable. But it can also be like four corners supporting each other, right? Like four corners of a room create stability for this new next level evolution. So it was a pretty revolutionary cycle. Mm. And she passed suddenly on the day that the Grand Cross was exact. Mm. And so I don't want listeners to think that I see death in an astrology chart or anything like that, because that's not what I'm trying to say. But what was huge for me was that I was leading up to this cycle. I knew there was going to be a big shift. I felt a big shift. And when that shift happened in the way that it happened, I was able to see and understand within myself, this is about an evolution of energy in some way, a leveling up in some way. And I feel as though, because we talk about energy, this is okay for me to share, but Hmm. from my mom passing or transformation, I like to call it, she was still very much alive in my life from an energetic lens. So even though she, as soon as she transitioned, I could still hear her voice or I could still feel her love or I could still connect with her. Mm. And so it was really, really powerful to have this tool of these cycles telling me, well, not telling me, but inviting me to believe that this is a time of transformation and leveling up and changing dynamics to become a powerful invitation Mm. and then to have this experience where that was very much what I was experiencing, where it didn't feel as though, of course, you know, the human, there was human grief and shock and all of those things. But underneath that, there was this sense of understanding that this is this next evolution and knowing that there was these transformational trends and patterns helped me to trust the new way that she was showing up that I maybe wouldn't have been so open to had I had I not had that energetic awareness. Oh, that's beautiful. And it's like both my parents and sister and a brother passed away. And it's like they moved straight into your heart. So you can still feel them, but your ego can't talk to them. Or as I talk about my experience with death to some of my friends, a lot of my scientific friends say to me, you know, that makes sense because energy never dies. Mm. It only transforms. So it's been really interesting to have that conversation with logical, uh, rational people, because it also makes sense from that lens too. Yeah. So this is also interesting. So if there is any listener now that who would like to do their own personal short or reading from you, what information do you need from them? And how far ahead do you go in time when you do a reading? Does it differ on the person or is it like a year or? Great question. So I like to say these, all my consultations are catered to what someone is interested in. Yep. So for example, if some, I have a lot of clients who come see me seasonally and they, we talk about what is coming up for this next season. I have some clients who see me monthly. Some people see me once a year. Some people see me and then never come back again because they have, you know, all this information to dive into. So I often like to ask, and when you sign up through my website, you're asked, what, what are you interested in? Is there anything specific? But there's always the invitation to keep it general too. If you don't know what you want to know, you just want to try it out. You don't have to put anything in. So basically I'm catered to individuals needs and all I need is a date of birth. If you know your time of birth and you know your place of birth, that is almost as if we have a microscope and we can focus the microscope a little bit closer with the time of birth. Um, But as long as we have the date of birth, that's all we need. And at the beginning, uh, well, when you register online, you're asked questions of what you're interested in, but also when we meet for our session. I just get to know what are you interested? What are the time frames? But a lot of the time, what will also happen is because certain planets 
follow certain cycles, I'll often say, you know, oh, two and a half years ago, because that was Saturn's transit, right? Mm. Or we'll say, you know, sometimes we even go all the way to 10 years, which is Uranus's transit, or 15 years, which is Pluto. And that really would just depend on how someone is being influenced, for example. My readings are very, they can be very structured if somebody comes to me and has these set questions and these set plans and and they want to do it that way. But then they also have been very uh, full circle where someone just says, you know what, let's just see what happens. And we go into it. So basically everything is customized to what someone wants. And if they don't know what they want, that's totally okay because we just flow with it. And it's always really incredible experiences. Yeah, that's brilliant. And now we also have this, you said from 2016, was that the Academy? Yes. And you have retreats as well. Can you please uh, tell me a bit about what's happening on on these and what is it? Yes, of course. The Art of Astrology Online Academy is a do-it-at-your-own-pace online course. And I actually now, because so many people have taken it and so many people have seen results, I now am giving it away uh, as a gift at my website, shannonhugman.com. So listeners can go get that gift um, if they'd like. And what that teaches you is how basically I created it and I put everything I know about the planets in this course. And it is ebooks that are all self-paced and have links to videos. And it teaches people how to create, read, and interpret star chart. Well, it's technical in a fun, digestible, accessible way, because that's my style, of how to create charts and read charts yourself. Because that's really my dream, is that we have a a world of everybody who knows their chart, everybody (laughs) who knows where the planets are. Because then it just feels like everybody would be on the same page in some way, and we could really make a change in the world. And in terms of my retreats, every retreat is a little bit different, but they're always based on the seasons. Mm. So this weekend we have our equinox retreat because we're coming into the equinox at the summer. We'll have us, we have a solstice retreat. We had a winter solstice retreat and there are ways for people to come together to refresh and get a heads up for the season ahead. And so I call them connection retreats because I believe when we connect, well, I believe connection is kind of what it's all about. And so at the retreats, we can connect to the coming season in terms of that's my part of I talk about the cycles ahead and I give some astrological information. Um, And actually at this retreat, each person gets a one-on-one consultation with me. That's my Equinox retreat. Everyone's a little different, but a lot of time I'll do Mm -hmm. one-on-ones. But I also feel like that at the Connection retreat, there's a power in connecting to yourself. So my retreats, I've been to retreats before as a participant where they've been really busy and they're, you know, do this and we're going to go here and we're going to do that. But at my retreats, the Connection retreats that I facilitate with some other facilitators, it's very much about connecting to yourself. So we have activities planned, you know, we're going to have a fire and we have meditation and yoga in the mornings and things like Mm -hmm. that but we really encourage people to just do what feels good to them so sometimes people just come and they just want to read their book all day and they don't want to participate and that's totally okay Mm -hmm. because the point is just to create a container for people to just come so and the other part of connection too is to connect to others Mm -hmm. and to connect to um, the people who are called to to the retreat And finally, nature. So I think that that's such an important part. So at this, like I said, this specific retreat coming is on my mind because it's this weekend. We are going to be outside looking at the stars in the summertime. We're going to be looking at the moon. We're going to have a fire. We're on this uh, property in the woods. And so I always like to think of my connection retreats as sort of four pillars where one, we connect to the cosmos and we get an astrological understanding for the season ahead. Mm -hmm. Two, 
we get a lot of space just to connect to ourselves and whatever that looks like for us, whether that's through participating and doing a lot of activities or just relaxing. Three, connecting to each other and the other community that has formed around these retreats. Mm. And four, um, connecting to nature and the planet. Oh, that's lovely. It sounds lovely. You should have it in Europe as well. (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) And we just, I just started, well, relatively, I've only been doing these for about six months, so it hasn't been very long, Mm. but yeah, I feel like that is definitely something that can happen. We are talking about the age of Aquarius. How would you describe this? And um, when was the last time we were here? Yes, great question. So, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I've heard of the age of Aquarius and I have a general understanding of what it was. Mm -hmm. And as I writing this book, my editor suggested that I write more about the age of Aquarius because people have heard the term and people are people are curious. So I actually have an answer. It's it's from the book and I've really, oh, you know, tuned into yep. it. And I feel it's as if the age of Aquarius is as if humanity and not just humanity, but we could say life on earth, perhaps even extend it. Mm-hmm. It embraces an attitude of like a bee colony, for example. So a bee, a beehive is all working together. They're all working together for one common goal. They all have a purpose. I think of there's that cartoon, it's called Bee Movie. And all the bees, they all have a purpose and they all have things. It's a cartoon, but they all have things that they want to do. And so I really feel like that's a good analogy of the age of Aquarius is how we're moving into this time period. Well, we're in it. And I'll talk about the timelines in a moment. But we're, we're in this consciousness now where it's about working together. And it's about working together for a cause or not even just in a necessarily a humanitarian way, but in a way that promotes individuals, but benefits the collective. And that's very much the age of Aquarius is it's like we've come from this age of Pisces. And the age of Pisces is about duality and about like the guru or the god or the power outside us Mm. or sort of one higher being that we all follow or worship or whatever. And that is not necessarily a bad thing. But in terms of individuals, it's not an empowering lens. Whereas the age of Aquarius is saying, hey, you are God or you're the guru or you have that inside of you. And let's all embrace that inner knowing or that inner um, direction that is maybe manifesting in the outer as well and follow that. And then just like a bee that just innately knows their role of whatever happens in a beehive, we too as humans have roles. And it's interesting because this is a cycle that lasts 25,000 years, I believe. So I could be wrong, but I believe it's 25,000 years. So the last one was 25,000 <laughs> years ago. And so, you know, we're we're just started. A lot of people hypothesize that this started in 2012 but some people say in the 80s but anyways either way we're still just so much in the beginning but I feel like I'll like with anything like for example let's say we decide to cut dairy out of our diet perhaps mm. you know or at, maybe that's not, let's say beer <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> cut beer out as an example more relatable for me but anyways so you know those first weeks of not having beer maybe we're gonna crave a beer yeah. right or maybe we'll feel like a headache or we'll feel some detox symptoms so I feel like we're kind of in an age of Pisces detox time as we move into the age of Aquarius where we can see you know oh guru mentality it just doesn't work anymore or you know following this god outside of me maybe just it doesn't cut it for me anymore so we're in this time where we're still very much immersed in the 
the world that was created mm. from that age of Pisces, but we're moving into this new time. And so there's a lot of kind of sorting through. And I think at the end of the day, it comes back to what do we feel about something? You know, how do, how do we feel is such an important thing to be asking ourselves, <laughs> like moment to moment to moment to moment. And I think in the age of Aquarius, that's very much what it's about is knowing what we feel individually, really embracing that sovereignty within ourselves, connecting to ourselves, and then moving forward from that inspired place. And when everybody does that, I feel as though even when two people do that, magic can happen. There's power in numbers. Mm. I love this because lately when I'm doing my um, energy readings for myself or in my meditations, it is so obvious that the light comes from within. And at other times it might have been that I see the light. It's like a lit up space or whatever. And now the space is like just empty and I have to bring the light. So it's been like a message that's been hitting on my head for the last five days. <laughs> Oh, I love yeah, that. Yeah, I'm so happy to hear that you say that that's part of this Aquarius as well. Mm -hmm, era. That's great. Yeah. So are there any other major movements that we should be aware of, like right now or this year? Yes, absolutely. And I actually go a lot into this in my book because these are incredible times astrologically that we're living in. And I feel like that's another way that I really use this energy in my day-to-day -day life is it gives me a, a narrative of what's happening on our planet that isn't chaos or the apocalypse or the end of it mm. all. But we are very much in this time where the systems are completely transforming and changing. And so one example, and I talk about this uh, in my book, is the planet Pluto is transiting Capricorn. And so Pluto is the archetype of transformation and change. And a lot of the time that happens through truth and exposing. Pluto's kind of like Sherlock Holmes mixed with the goddess Kali of like, <laughs> let's break it down. <laughs> And that energy has been in the, the constellation of Capricorn, which means if we are Capricorn sun signs or other planets, we'll be feeling this intimately. However, we all have an area of Capricorn that represents us individually. But on a collective level, Capricorn represents the uh, systems and the establishment and power and the rules and who's organized and who's in charge and who has the authority and all these kinds of mm. themes. Now, what's really interesting is this, we pair these together and it's like there's a transformation in the systems of our world right now and this cycle started in 2008 and it's going to go until 2023 and basically we can look back to the last time this occurred and this you know the last time I forget the exact dates but they're in the book but the last time Pluto was in Capricorn was when America was formed and when oh. uh, the U.S. Constitution was in the works it wasn't written just yet but it was starting when there was a slavery was in full force a lot of really really intense things and I I feel like, again, the book gives a much more detailed example. I just want to tell a little bit mm. of it. So really what's interesting is we are in this time of this handoff of power where the powers that be, <laughs> perhaps we could mm. say, are up for renewal. And that's because Pluto has approximately a 300-year cycle. So every 300 years, Pluto comes back to Capricorn and says, okay, let's reorganize, let's regroup, let's redistribute power, and let's also find the inefficiencies in the system, and let's find what's not working so we're in this time and again since 2008 of sorting through what's not working in terms of how we organize on our collective and knowing that to me has brought me a lot of clarity to understand oh wait this is the this is a time of you know reassessing and reorganizing kind of like 
like if we, let's say we bought a new house mm. and the kitchen was just completely destroyed. The people who lived before, you know, it was all messy and we moved into the house and we moved into the house with the understanding of we can't change this house. This is the way it's going to be. <laughs> this is the way we have to live. We'd have a certain, you know, experience thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to live mm. here? This house is broken. <laughs> this house is like, there's, this is, this does not feel good. But when we move into a house with an awareness of, okay, that's okay. I'm going to renovate the kitchen or the kitchen's under renovation. We can feel potentially you can still feel overwhelmed, mm -hmm. right? We can still feel like, whoa, there's a lot to fix or oh, who got us to this dirty kitchen place. But we can also understand renovations are an option, <laughs> change is an yeah. option. So it does bring me a lot of hope, these cycles, but they are very, very intense. And a lot of old systems of establishment are are being asked to transform and change. Mm, and you can tell that, I mean, especially in America, but also in Europe, there are a lot of systems that definitely need to change. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, exactly, exactly. So your exciting book you are releasing on the Equinox, Spring Equinox, called Analogies, Energies and Celestial Bodies. What inspired you to write this? Well, thanks for asking. <laughs> and I'm really excited about it. And and to be honest, a lot of what inspired me to write it was what I was what I was just talking about with these really major universal movements that are happening. And so this probably would have been back in 2013 when I was when I was aware of these these astrological cycles that are transforming the collective consciousness on our planet. And I don't feel like the planets are doing anything to us. It's not that the planets are transforming, but the planets to me are symbols or archetypes for what's happening within us. So I believe the collective consciousness is transforming through us mm. and that these cycles are a narrative that we can follow or a story we can follow along, a cosmic conversation, I like to call it. So basically, I wrote this book because I felt as though one, I wanted to give people the tools to be able to join this conversation. I wanted people to, you know, and the book doesn't necessarily only go into history or go into what's happening now or these current transit. It also gives a framework of these archetypes. So it can be a baseline for people to get this general information in a really digestible way mm -hmm. so that they can have a basic understanding of these cycles. So it feels as though for me, I kind of have this two way of feeling it. The reason why I wrote it was one, to talk and put that information out there about these cycles that are happening on our planet. Because the more people who know, maybe the more people will have hope mm. or the more people will called to embody this transformation. And I really think that's what changes the world is people who are aware. Just like if there was big news happening, you know, we want to tell people. So part of the book is sharing this big news. Yeah. But the other side is almost, it's almost as if it's like a dictionary uh, for the planet. So oh. that when someone reads something about saying, oh, what is Neptune? What does Neptune mean? They can refer to the book and read the chapter on Neptune and have a place to go to understand. So there's sort of two parts where the first part of the book, I give the, not in a definition, it's not, it's not like reading a dictionary. It's actually quite entertaining <laughs> and fun to read but where people can get a layout of what I call the primary colors. So you can get an understanding of each of those archetypes. But then also I talk about what's happening on our planet, astrologically speaking, and how that's news and how that's really exciting. That sounds super exciting. Uh, do we get the tools in the book for ourselves to use? Or um, you said we learn how to ourselves do the read the charts through these chapters of what the planets mean or 
Yes, exactly. So how so how the book is laid out is I share my story. I share what got me to this point, just to give everybody some background information that I am not here to say that I have all the answers, yeah. <laughs> but I definitely have something to share. But also I invite readers to think you can read this book as if it's 100% fiction. You can read this book as it's a story. You can read this book in whatever way feels right to you, because you can also read it as if it's fact, although I don't really recommend that because I feel like, you know, we can just we can flow with it mm -hmm. um, but there's always an open invitation to really embrace the direction you want to head with it and then I go through each of the celestial bodies so each planet has a chapter and in that chapter I talk about them as if they're characters so I talk about them as if they're characters that we maybe can recognize ourselves in or recognize others in for example like one of these I use fictional characters but also my own analogies uh, to describe each of the planets so for example for the planet Uranus which is all about a force of change. I use the character of Luke Skywalker from Star oh. Wars because Luke Skywalker, um, you know, the force is yeah, with yeah. him and his life is always changing and he's always moving around and changing things up and shaking it up and being a revolutionary. So each of the planets, you get to know them through my analogies, but also through fictional characters or sometimes mythology I use as mm -hmm. well. And then I have a section called the 12 themes of energy. And I call them themes because that's how I see them. I see them as themes of a story. And those are the 12 zodiac signs. So there's, again, archetypes and analogies and examples for each of the 12 zodiac signs. And then for each of those signs, I talk about those energies influencing history. So I talk about Capricorn through the ages. Like I said, you know, back when the U.S. revolution was occurring was influenced by Capricorn or these different mm. things. And then I also talk about influential people who embodied this energy. So for example, for Capricorn, Martin Luther King has a lot of Capricorn energy in his chart. And I have quotes uh, in the book that let Martin Luther King speak for himself. And so a lot of these quotes talk about how we need to have these larger changes in our system systems and that the system is a lot of the inefficiency that works. And that's a very Capricorn thing to say, because like I said, Capricorn is all about the systems. So basically I get in the first two sections, I give people in entertaining, digestible ways to see themselves or understand the planets as if they're characters, the zodiac signs or themes as if they're settings or themes or plot lines mm -hmm. that these characters live through. And we can see ourselves as the characters and the themes if we read resonate with that. And then the third section is where I like to connect the dots and I call that piecing it together. And that's where I talk about the charts, but I don't talk about the charts in a very technical way. That's where you can go and download my course for free as a yep. gift if you want to really get into all the technical stuff. So, but the book definitely explains what the chart is, how the direction the chart moves, what we use the chart for. So it gives a basic understanding for someone who's reading it to understand, oh, that's what that's about. For somebody who wants to learn how to map out these charts and read these charts, then in the book, it directs you to go get the online course so you can go as deep as you want yep. with it. But also in this piece it together section, this is where I piece together, for example, Pluto moving through Capricorn for this time period. I talk about the age of Aquarius. I talk about how we have um, visible eclipses from North America. We have three between 2007 
2017 and 2024. And visible eclipses are a big deal even just to have one per century. And we have three mm. within 30 years. So it's a really exciting time around that. I talk about how we can have an energetic awareness in relationships and how it can help in relationships. I talk about the current energies and the transits and how we can understand, you know, become our own little cosmic meteorologists, I like to say. Yeah, so I think that's about, oh, I also have next steps. So in terms of someone reading it, somebody who just wants a general understanding, it will be a really entertaining read. Somebody who wants to learn and study astrology and get really versed mm. in it, it can be a tool that you can come back to, come back to, come back to. Just like, you know, you come back to a dictionary at times. You come back to the thesaurus. So it really isn't just a book. It is a book that can be read once and wonderful. And I'm really confident people will enjoy it. But it's also a tool um, that you can refer back to again and again on your journey of learning about the universe, which is a lifelong journey. And I have a section called Next Steps. And that gives you next steps of how to integrate this information into your life. Mm -hmm. And also I have a section called Get Creative, which gives some really fun artistic ways to learn this energy that isn't just about studying or reading a book. It's about, you know, painting or creating or drawing. So there's also a, a section, uh, two sections at the end with with action, call to actions, basically, for those who want to take it a step further. Oh, it sounds so creative and fun and also informative, of course. And I read that you also have a part that where you talk about how the millennia generation is bridging the paradigms. <laughs> How do you pronounce yeah. that? Paradigms. <laughs> um, uh, paradigms. Paradigms. Thank paradigms. you. <laughs> and I thought that, I thought that sounded interesting. And um, what are you thinking about? What paradigms are you thinking about? Yes, I love that. So again, the reason why I talk about millennials is because when Pluto was in Scorpio between two thousand, or excuse me, 1984 and 1997, so the period of time people born between 84 and 97 were born with Pluto in Scorpio, and that's the millennial generation. Obviously, we fit into that time, and I and I fall in that myself. Mm. And the thing with the Pluto and Scorpio generation is you can't really BS us. <laughs> We're kind of, you know, Scorpio and Pluto energy is like, we just trust what we know. We trust what our feelings know. If somebody tries to sell us something and we're not feeling it, we're not going to buy into yeah. it. So what has happened with our generation as we get older, and of course, you know, technology and things like that have, have amplified this, but we have an innate sense of revolution, I guess we can say, or, or just innovation to say, I don't want to do it that way. That doesn't feel right to me to do it that way. Mm. And so what is kind of happening in terms of how, how I see it, and of course, you know, like I said, nothing I say is fact, but it's an interpretation, is that we are now this generation that is growing up and challenging certain societal norms or not even maybe necessarily through an outward challenge, although we can see a lot of that happening um, in the world too, but just through we don't fit into this system. And not to mention the system maybe just doesn't work for us. Like maybe there isn't jobs anymore, right? Mm. Or maybe there aren't ways that we can because the economy and the system has changed. So what I mean the millennial generation is changing paradigms is basically kind of a sense of like, we're changing it through we just don't we just don't fit. And so now we're here as we grow older to start to say, okay, we don't necessarily fit into this way that our parents were raised, whether that's through their beliefs or even their priorities or the things that are important to them. And in this section, I talk about some of the research that I've looked at where, you know, what millennials are interested in spending. And a lot of millennials, myself included, we'd rather spend on experiences. We'd rather spend yeah. on doing something 
than spending, you know, like my parents who grew up who had, you know, the cars and the TVs and the stuff. And so we just have a different priorities, I guess, in life. And through a lens of astrology, it has to do with because we really want to connect to our core and connect to what's important to us. And to us, it's more important how we feel is what's important. Mm. So it's funny because, uh, you know, there's the whole the millennials are like the snowflakes. That's kind of a thing going on on Twitter saying, oh, the millennials are the snowflakes. You're too sensitive. You need to suck it up. And in this book, and, and I experienced this a lot in my life where I just felt like I want to be a part of the world, right? I want to succeed. I was raised to work hard, but I, I don't feel well when I try to work really hard in these systems. Mm. And that was part of why I've come back to astrology again and again and again is because this is what feels right to me on an intuitive level and on a, on a physical level as well. So basically this part of the book I've written for myself (laughs) and the part of myself that feels like, uh, what am I doing here? Am I doing this right? Or am I just shooting in the dark here to basically say that millennials, we are in this time where we're in a lot of ways, trailblazers of trusting and everybody is on this path too it's not that it's just millennials by any means but those who are invited to join millennials just kind of we just have it we don't really have a choice in Mm. a lot of ways to have to be on the forefront of the unknown and the forefront of a future that we don't know what's going to be happening we don't know where it's going we know what doesn't work Mm. right we know what we don't want so it's from an astrological perspective, Pluto is in Scorpio, and that's all about the unknown. And, and my generation, the millennial generation, we were born with that. We've always had to kind of get comfortable in the unknown and how I really feel like it's if we say, hey, I don't know where the solution's going to come from. That's how we can find solutions. So what I mean by bridging paradigms is that the the millennials are very much on the forefront, and we always have been in our lives of just feeling what is going on? <laughs> you know, what is happening? We don't fit in here. And of course, there's many other people of all sorts of generations who feel the same. And I think there's a lot of people who are honorary millennials, right? There's yeah. a lot of people who I've yeah. met in my life who maybe don't weren't born in that generation, but who resonate with that path. And so I really feel us all coming together as trailblazers, bridging paradigms into the creating this new world, but also having to lose sight of the shore of what's been established. So that's I'm sure that would be lovely for many to read to recognize yourself in. And also you know, I'm excited for like maybe my dad to read it and recognize me a little bit better as well. I wrote it from a lens of really bridging generations. We're saying, hey, look, we're all here for different things. And it's not like it's millennials versus boomers Mm. or whatever, you know, plays out sometimes like that. It's we're all here together, but we also all have different paths. And we, you know, we all have something to offer regardless of how this person's older or younger or whatever. We're all different. We all have something to learn from each other. Yeah. So for those who are listening now and would like to get in contact with you and get hold of your book, how should I do this and where should they go? Yeah. Yeah. yeah thanks for asking. So you can go to shannonhugman.com. Shannonhugman.com is where everything is. And for my book, if you order my book on my launch date, which is March 20th, you'll also get a special gift from me. So I'm going, I'm giving out star sign bookmarks. So you'll get a bookmark customized Ooh. with your sun sign, moon sign, and rising sign based on your date of birth. And also based on your chart, I'm going to write a handwritten letter with some astrological insights for everybody who buys on the Amazon launch date. So if you want to get some of those bonus gifts, which I'm really excited about because I'm getting really creative with them and having fun with them, you can go to shannonhugman.com and there's a list you can 
can join. And that list, you're just going to get a list letting you know where to send the picture. You're not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be emailing you every day with more promotions or things like that. I really um, do a really respectful kind of email marketing, uh, which is important to me. But basically, if you don't want to get on that list, ChannonHugman.com. It will be on Amazon. There'll be a link on uh, ShannonHugman.com to get to Amazon or on March 20th to buy the book. You could just go straight to Amazon and order Analogies, Energies, and Celestial Bodies. But I've just compiled that list because I have a lot of people interested and they don't want to miss out on getting those gifts. So you can join that list at ShannonHugman.com. And consultations are also at ShannonHugman.com. The Art of Astrology Online Academy, my free course. or it, I, You know, it's funny because I say my free course, but this was a course that I sold for years. Years and years yeah. and years. Well, for four years. It feels like a long time, but I sold this course. And now as I'm evolving um, and creating more different things in my business, now I want to give it away. So it's not, this isn't just like, oh, a, a free a free course. Like a lot of people have purchased it and a lot of people have seen results. Um, and that's at shannonhugman.com. And also there's links to my social media. So I'm Shannon Hugman all over. So I'm on Instagram, I'm Shannon Hugman, Facebook, Shannon Hugman. So you can find me on those platforms and I post energy updates. I call them current energies with Shannon. I write blogs, all that. I put out a lot of content and on YouTube as well, Shannon Hugman. So basically, yeah, I say go to shannonhugman.com and then from here, you'll find everything. You'll find everything else. And yeah, you can always also contact me if you have any questions or anything, anything about that. And I will, of course, put the link to your, um, your webpage as well in the text below this pod for anyone who maybe misspell your name or something. So now we go to the five questions with different perspectives that I ask all my guests. And as you know, my mission is to ignite our pure hearts so we can hear our own inner voice with all its wisdom, joy and love. Of course, there are several roads to get to that destination. And I like to ask you, because I'm sure you as well as most of us have days take a sidestep to you know, the light lightning path <laughs> or the flow of life. And mm-hmm. what's your top trick to connect to your inner voice? And can you tell when you are not? Yes. So for me, it's uh, journaling and brain dumping mm. and writing and more morning pages from the artist way course. But basically every morning I write usually about two pages in my journal of just whatever's on my mind. I just get all my thoughts out onto the paper and I really, and I have my partner does the same and I can really tell when I'm in my head and I'm overthinking things when I, when I don't do that. So basically I have a lot of ideas all the time and sometimes I will come to my pages and I'll write all these exciting things I'm excited about. Or then the next day I'll write, Oh my gosh, I'm so scared. (laughs) I can't believe I'm going to try to do this or, you know, Oh my goodness. But I, I connect to that inner voice through writing and I can tell when I'm not connected to that inner voice when, when my thoughts feel just like a tornado and that happens Mm. a lot of the time for sure. But I find for me writing and journaling, not writing necessarily that anyone's going to read, but just for myself gets that energy out of my head and onto the paper. Oh, that's a good tip. And sometimes I feel it can be difficult to separate our ego and our inner voice because we might want something but it could come from the society or habits or whatever. So have you experienced this and how do you tell the difference between your ego and your heart's voice? Oh, this is such a relevant one for me right now. (laughs) I'm really learning this in a whole new way. And, you know, for me, I'm realizing more and more that ego feels 
like it's something I have to manage or it's something I have to do or I have to make sure to do this, this and this so that I can get here when I need to be there and I need to get this person and find mm. this and they have to say yes or they what if they say no or there's all that kind of energy. Whereas my intuition or my higher self or I like to think of it as my deeper self is just neutral. You know, it just knows whatever is supposed to happen is going to happen. And the people who are supposed to connect will connect. And the places that I meant to be will work out. So it's almost from a, I guess, stress is the determining factor. Although, of course, you know, being sometimes following your intuition, there's going to feel moments where you feel distressed. But to me, intuition feels like relief, Mm. where it feels like, ah, yeah, that's what I want to do. Whereas ego feels more of a like, okay, what's my to-do list (laughs) and what do I have Mm. to do and how do I get there and what else is left? And again, you know, what if it doesn't happen (laughs) and very critical, um, and, and also intense too. Ego feel, my ego can be very intense. That's a good description because your, your heart that I like to call it or your deeper (laughs) inner self, uh, that is always Mm -hmm. calm. It's always, as you say, neutral and it's just relaxed. But when there's a thousand things happening in the head, that's the ego. Exactly. Exactly. So then once you hear the voice, it's time for action. And I know that sometimes that's easier said than done because of whatever reason that's surrounding it. Can you think of any great example when you followed your voice, even though your head might have wanted you to go in another direction? Yeah, definitely. So again, I could think of many, but I want to circle back to that story I shared about my mom. Mm. Um, so the year that in 2012, my I was in a program at my university that had a year exchange. And my plan was to go to Europe for a year um, and do this exchange. But every time I would think about it, or I would even start to try to apply to schools or whatever, it was this extreme energy of, oh, no, this isn't right, or this doesn't feel right, or my gut instinct, I, I almost would feel even nauseous trying to even start doing it. So I remember feeling really distressed because I'm somebody who likes to do what I say I'm going to do and likes to follow through, not to mention I really wanted to travel and I wanted to go to Europe, but I felt so it didn't feel right. So I had a conversation with my mom and she said, well, you just trust your gut, you know, do what feels right. You don't have to do anything that is making you feel sick, let alone stressed Mm -hmm. out. And in that moment, she, it wasn't necessarily that she was in charge of what I did or didn't do, but her perception gave me permission to trust myself. And I just felt relieved. And I just felt like, Oh yeah, I don't have to do this. I can do what, you know, my core is telling me, which is stay here in in Canada now and travel later or whatever. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I would have been in Europe when my mom passed away, Mm. I would have missed our last six months together. Um, And I was with her leading up to her passing. Like I kind of shared earlier, it was this really powerful time energetically and very much, you know, a a powerful transformative gift that I experienced. And if I had ignored my, um, that knowing I would have been on the other side of the world. I wouldn't have seen her for as long as I had. I wouldn't have had the closure that I'd had. And, and I think it would have been a very different, very different experience. That is so powerful. And I think it's so good to hear like this because we all 
struggle with it. Should dare should I do it or shouldn't I? But you know your body is telling you so strongly, and I think even more strongly now in these days. And uh, to just hear other who are following and uh, knowing that it is the right decision. Yes, exactly. And you know, I'm more sharing more of this experience, my experiences with death, or more experiences about more personal things. Whereas before in my brand, I wanted to keep it all very professional. Mm. Um, but now I'm moving more towards just sharing my human experiences because we're all human and we all we all have these these experiences to learn so we all know that gratitude is a lovely way to create more of the moments that in life that we enjoy and sometimes we forget it especially to be grateful to ourselves and our achievements and our worth and um, do you have a tip to see and accept your own beautiful part of the flow of life to be grateful Oh, yes. So for me, I really love to be grateful for water specifically. Mm. And this started when I was I was I, I still often can get in a space of concern about our future, specifically water and our yeah. planet. Um, and I was in a, a specifically distressing time. And I kind of said to the universe, like, I need uh, some help here. <laughs> Show me that we're going to be OK. And I found um, the next day through just a coincidence Dr. Emoto's yeah. work and Dr. Emoto has done a lot about the, you know, the human intention on water. And I was reading some of his research that showed that gratitude can clean water or helps to purify water and that there's groups in Japan who come together and they go and they're grateful on lakes or things mm. like that. So now what I like to do is because I, I, I feel to a certain extent all water is connected, not to mention we're made of water too. So I could be better. I mean, we could all do it more, but as much as I can, I just like to thank the water. I, I live on near a lake, so I like to go out there or when I'm having a shower or when I have a sip of water or when I'm washing my dishes, I always like to just send gratitude um, to water. I love that. So we all have our ups and downs in life. And when do you feel the most connected to the flow of life? And how does it show up for you? Mm, I love that question. Um, for me, it really feels I feel most connected to the flow of life when I can connect to that. Like you said, that calmness in the mm. heart, because I have a lot of ambition, I get a lot of excitement, I have a lot of things I want to do. And even though a lot of the things I want to do, are about making an impact or making a difference, they still sometimes I get just so action oriented that I forget to just calm mm. and center and just be. So for me, yeah, it's really that that importance of just like things like being grateful for water or just turning off my phone, but just connecting to my heart, taking five minutes, taking deep breaths. Things oh, like I that. love that. So thank <laughs> you so much. And is there anything you'd like to add before we leave? I just want to thank you and also thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. Um, you know, when it, whenever anything that you share comes up, I always feel the energy behind oh. it. And I always really feel the alignment that you have with the collective. Oh, I love that. I guess I can call it with the... Yeah. So yeah, mostly, well, the only thing I want to add is just gratitude for you, not only for having me on this podcast, but also for the work that you're doing in the oh, world. Thank you so much. That's really lovely. So thank you so much for joining and for the rest of you, please get seated and we soon start with some meditation. Welcome. Let's start by taking three deep breaths.
can imagine that there is a pillar of red healing earth energy that is coming from Mother Earth and it's going up through you and around you covering your body inside and out and continuing up and out into the sky and the universe and we now have this red healing earth energy keeping us grounded on this journey then imagine that there is a similar pillar of divine bright light a universal energy that is coming from above and it's going down through you and around you covering your body inside and out and continuing down into Mother Earth and we now have this universal energy keeping us balanced on this journey and we take another deep breath then imagine that you are standing out in nature with a beautiful forest maybe in the middle of the forest or maybe at the beginning and it's a beautiful day the perfect temperature for you and there is a blue sky and the sun is out and with the trees giving you the perfect shade and maybe you hear birds leaves blowing in the wind branches that are falling down or just moving this is an old old forest and it is as dense as you prefer maybe there are a lot of trees maybe just a few this forest there is a path that we are walking upon as we soak in the stillness that is surrounding us the smells the colors As we are walking further in we feel our body relax more and more become lighter and we walk until we see a small opening there's a place for you to sit down 
the sun still shaded from the trees or if you like out in the sun and here we stop we take it all in with a deep breath connecting to nature connecting to ourselves to our heart and as we stop you can sit down if you like or lie down on the ground or something you see maybe there is a perfect stone to sit on ground there is a vibration that you can feel with your feet or your body and it is a vibration that is moving through mother earth and through us and it's a vibration of peace of calm an open mind and love and we are feeling safe knowing that we are surrounded with this beautiful energy that is keeping us and everything around us in harmony in light and as we are sitting here maybe there are some birds getting closer some animals let whatever comes up for you be the right image and it is like we are totally surrendering to this calm and peaceful this beautiful energy that is in this stillness yet active forest and see if there is anywhere in your body where you might be feeling tense out of balance this energy and vibration to help you with this to relax to stay grounded and and with a peaceful mind
it's almost like if we are taking a bath in the sun, a bath in nature and allowing it to fill our, our energy with this peaceful stillness. activity that is in the moment. Here are no future, no past, it is only the now where we are enjoying ourselves, letting go, sinking deeper into the ground. our energy, releasing fear, releasing judgment, control, we are simply are in this place. surrounding almost like you can speak to everything around you communicate is here and it will always be here. And if you have anything you like to ask, you can let whatever comes up to you in this forest be the right energy to ask. Whether it's a bee, a bird, a tree, maybe even the sun. Ask a question and then just relax knowing that the answer will arrive maybe now, maybe in a week, but definitely when you are ready and open. So we just take a breath and let whatever comes up to us to for us to ask if we have a question. And if you don't have a question then you can ask your energy to ask it for you. And just see what's happening. Don't worry, 
by you being here listening to this your energy knows exactly what to do so you can just keep on following the journey and relax see what energy you are connecting to whether it is an insect an animal a plant and what are the traits of this energy Is there something you can learn? Take with you. Apart from the answer. You can come back here as often as you like. connect, to relax to set your mind at peace and harmonize and balance your energy now we take another deep breath give thanks to this beautiful forest, to Mother Nature, for helping us today. And we slowly start to walk out of the forest, feeling light, peaceful, safe. connected and as we reach the end we give thanks to Mother Earth and Father Universe and the Higher Self for joining us today you can start to come back into the space where you started back into your body and start to move your hands your feet your neck Maybe clap your hands and stamp your feet and I thank you for listening. So, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that. And today this meditation was all about finding peace within, connecting to nature and just and becoming relaxed. And I feel it is important because there is a lot of things happening in our surrounding 
with viruses and politics and economy and it is important for us to keep our energy calm to not get stuck into fear-based energies because the more we get stuck into those the further down the spiral goes and it's not about being ignorant to what is happening it is about knowing what is happening without adding extra negative energy to it and I know that is hard a lot of times but the more of us that can keep calm while still being realistic about what we are doing how we are doing it in our day but not letting our feared ego take over our calm heart and I felt the energy to be so grounding and beautiful and we also had the opportunity to ask a question to some entity or some energy within this forest it could be a tree or a piece of grass or cloud or the sun or whatever showed up for you right in in the forest and we were also told to see what it was that showed up for us to see what is that energy's qualities and maybe we can learn something from it that will gain us at this moment so I'm excited to see, I'm going to dig deeper in what came up for me. And I saw, uh, uh, I think you call it a bumblebee. <laughs> and I think that stands for nothing is impossible. So uh, I'm going to have to dig deeper into that for myself and see what's, what, what's the meaning of that. But see if you can remember. And if you don't, then that is so fine because your energy is doing this for you. So the answer to the question we asked will arrive at the right time for us and it could be instantly or it could be further along the way. And I want to say again thank you to Shannon Hagman for joining us as a guest today. I am always so curious about the stories behind someone and love to hear how they come to reach to a certain point in life and starting to do light work. And I look forward to reading the book. And as I said in the interview, that if you want to get in touch with her, you can just look in the text below and there I will have a link to her webpage. And I'm also really excited to announce that I have three new dates for Pure Heart Ignition. And the first one is coming up on the 22nd of March. And that is the World Water Day. So I'm sure we will be tuning into water in some, some form. And then it's the 19th of April and the 31st of May. And that is the World Meditation Day. So that will be a beautiful energy to tap into as well. I will put out more information about how to sign up for these shortly. And each ignition is $6. Or if you are a patron for $10 or more, then you will get a link for free. And if you can't make the exact time, then you can still join and by signing up you will get link to a rerun. And if you are curious about becoming a Patreon, supporting the work that I do whilst digging deeper within your own transformation, then you also have a link for that below. So I thank you all so much for listening and for following and helping me to spread this energy further. And I hope you will have a beautiful fortnight. Satnam. Satnam.